Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in Boise Weekly's annual Best of Boise contest. And while it's an honor to be nominated, I have to admit it would be even more fun to win. If we've helped you connect to the city you love, go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by May 23rd. Thanks, Boise. Today on CityCast Boise, it's Friday, and I've got our lead producer, Frankie Barnhill, with me to dig into the week's news. We're talking Idaho's surprising history in the labor movement, a recent New York Times article about our OBGYN exodus, and why Idaho was just rated one of the worst states for workers. Plus, it's Pride Weekend, baby! It's Friday, September 8th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Frankie. Hey, Emma. Happy Friday. Happy four-day week Friday. Yeah, that Labor Day week. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Did it go fast or did it go slow? It's always weird when there's four days. It never does. (laughs) I always feel like when it's a four-day week, I'm like, it's been Wednesday for a a month Forever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Been living in a Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, it just, it always feels like weirdly longer to me for some reason. Uh, did you have any any fun on Labor Day? Did you do anything cool? I relaxed, which I think is the point of uh, Labor Day, right? Is to to just enjoy the fact that I was able to have a, a paid holiday. So thanks for that federal protection um, around Labor Day. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I, I'm sorry if you're listening. I sound bad. I think on the last one, I said I felt like I was getting kind of sick. And uh, then we had COVID come through the house and everybody's uh, pretty much had COVID. So Ugh. on the tail end of that, feeling better, but sound absolutely terrible. Uh, and unfortunately got COVID from someone who knew they had COVID and was just out and, out and about in the world, just prancing around. And when we were like, whoa, you don't do that. It was like, it's a mild cold. And I was like, no, for you, but <laughs> not for everybody. So can't believe we're still doing that. Uh, Seriously. Really frustrating. But um, I was, wanted to start with, uh, actually, you know, Blake is out, uh, usually my my buddy here, but you're you're filling in today, which is fabulous. But they had a really great uh, newsletter segment on labor in Idaho that had, was chock full of information I had no idea about. Yeah, what a fabulous historical look at the labor movement in Idaho um, from uh, Blake Hunter. And uh, definitely subscribe to the Hey Boise newsletter if you haven't yet, because Blake's got all kinds of great history uh, stuff coming up. But yeah, this one's fascinating because like you might not think today, and I'll give the modern day equivalent later, but uh, that Idaho was a leader in the labor movement. We don't think of that very often given the politics of today. But yeah, 130 years ago, who knew? Um, major labor leader. Um, people, if you're from North Idaho, maybe you do know this because that was definitely kind of the center of it all, right? Um, the silver mines uh, and like the 1880s, 1890s unions were basically the power centers. And um, Blake went into just this fascinating story of like, you know, there were scabs, there were Pinkertons, there was like, you know, dynamite, like killing people, like very dramatic stories of the fights that went on um, around the union unionization efforts uh, in North Idaho. But then those 
those unions were strong for a really, really, really long time. And um, some people who maybe are younger or uh, haven't lived in Idaho for a long time might not know that that, you know, translated to Democrats in Idaho actually having a lot of power uh, at different points in the 20th century, like all the way through the 1970s. And, and unions were strong and were a big part of that. Yeah, um, it makes me think how, you know, Idaho is an, a right-to-work state, obviously, uh-huh. yeah, which yeah. a surprising amount of people do not know. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised. I'm always surprised when I talk to people about it that people are like, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, that literally affects you every day, probably. Yeah. But recently, this uh, report from Oxfam, this annual report they do, uh, ranked Idaho 41st out of all 50 states as worst states to work in. And you have to wonder, with this really healthy uh, union uh, atmosphere 130 years ago and like, you know, all this then going right to work. And now we're rated one of the worst states to work in. Yeah. And and uh, unionization or efforts or ability to unionize and how easy it is to unionize and, and organize it was one of the rankings, one of the ways that this Oxfam report ranked us. Yeah, it was the mid 80s when the right to work law passed. And it is kind of complicated. But the the general gist is that it does make it harder to unionize. And uh, it means that people aren't required to pay union dues, which kind of cripples the unions to have as much power. And I would say, you know, Idaho's never been the same since. It has completely changed our political landscape. Um, and the Republicans who were able to get that through in the mid-80s maybe had no idea what they would usher in uh, decades later. Um, of course, there are other states that passed these right-to-work laws, too, so we're not the only one. But, you know, in my opinion, the the unionization piece uh, or the lack of it and the, the uh, slowing down of that labor movement really really changed things, especially in rural parts of the state, you know, wages plummeted after the right to work law went into place. And uh, things have gotten so much more divisive. Place that used to be a Democratic stronghold, you know, never vote for Democrats anymore. Um, And I would say, yeah, that Oxfam thing just really kind of crystallized it. We're like our ranking is with like Mississippi and Georgia um, and South Carolina and Alabama. Um, But I I did think it was interesting. They noted how in Michigan, um, which recently swung from the right to the left politically, they actually overturned their right to work law. Now, I would think, Emma, you're going to say, and I agree, that (laughs) that's not happening any time soon in Idaho, but it is interesting. I don't know, though, because I feel like Idaho is one of 20 states that still has the federal minimum wage is still set at 725 here. And I'm I'm never going to get off uh, off this soapbox reminding people that Idaho has a tipped wage. Uh, which is set at $3.35 an hour. And a tipped worker is somebody who makes more than $30 in tips a month. So when you're going out to eat uh, and or if you're you're at a pizza place or you're picking up something and you're like, why, does, why do they have a tip jar here? Uh, it's because a lot, a ton of workers in uh, the Treasure Valley make $3.35 an hour. And not just uh, tipped workers, but like Idaho has a ton of gig workers too. Like uh, I saw a KTVB article this morning that uh, Uber drivers are protesting uh, in Boise right now because they're making so little money. Uber, they just lowered drivers' wages. And um, uh, one driver said he's making about $120 after working 15 to 17 hours. Uh, meanwhile, just so you know, the uh, 
the CEO of Uber actually makes uh, $24.3 million and gave himself a raise last year, which is, yeah. I think, a lot of what we're seeing is this creedflation, you know, the, the CEOs at the top of companies making drastically more money than their lowest play, paid employees. And that's really affecting, I mean, of course, this is affecting quality of life for these drivers. Uh, absolutely. And I stand a completely in solidarity with them. And it's also making it really hard to get around Boise for certain people because I don't know right. if you've been to the airport recently. I got in from a flight from Denver uh, not that long ago. It got in at one. I told my husband, don't worry about it. I'll just grab an, a Lyft or an Uber. Not a single Uber available mm. at one in the morning, which has never <laughs> happened, which has never happened to me. I've been flying out of Boise for, uh, you know, a decade, quite a lot. Yeah. And uh, I was really, really surprised. I had to call my husband at one in the morning and wake him up to come get me. So, you know, yeah. these these low wages, it, it affects, it kind of affects everybody, even if you're somebody who didn't realize, oh, tipped workers are making only three thirty five. Guess what? That's why you can't get a hamburger after 9 p.m. anymore is because of Idaho's low wages. Right. And of course, we've seen, uh, I should know really fast. Uber, their stock as of uh, recording this on Thursday morning, their stock is up today. Uh, so <laughs> um, uh, shareholders are definitely uh, reaping uh, some benefits right now, as well as their mm -hmm. CEO, as you mentioned. But $7.25, the federal minimum wage is absolutely unlivable. It is unlivable. If you work 40 hours a week at $7.25, you can't you can't pay for rent. You can't <laughs> buy food. It is unlivable, especially right now when like I just uh, had ordered some stuff uh, for a pickup from Fred Meyer, and I ordered like the usual stuff I get for my kids, right? The usual like sandwich stuff, just very normal, cheap mom stuff. And it was one of the things I got was uh, ham, which is usually three thirty. It's like three thirty, three forty. Sure. It was six fifty. It oh was six fifty. And so, if you think about making seven twenty five an hour, you're actually making half of that right now because of all this inflation right. with groceries, with gas, with everything. Like honestly, anybody making under under twenty five dollars an hour right now is struggling. And you might even be making twenty five dollars an hour and still struggling because prices have gone up so bad. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, there are plenty of places in Boise where they've had to get competitive. Like you see, like, you know, the McDonald's sign that says like 16 plus an hour and 401k and all the things. And it's like, good, like benefits, like, let's go. But yeah. as far as what you can be paid in Idaho, remember, for those of you who are uh, privileged enough to not be making 725 an hour, that is, that is what the, the minimum is. <laughs> Yeah, been a real uh, a couple weeks of Idaho being in the news, right? Like oh, a yeah. lot of things. Every time we make national news, it's always a little bit of a gut clinch because you're like, it's not going to be good. <laughs> not going to be good. It's going to be something. But yep. this one, um, you actually sent me this article, this New York Times article about uh, abortion laws driving uh, OBGYNs from red states. Yeah, love waking up to a top fold New York Times story. Uh, it always We're so popular. <laughs> always feels good. Um, it's nothing that we don't know. This whole feature, it was a really well done feature. I think uh, you know sometimes uh, national reporters don't quite get the story right, and I actually feel like this this reporter did a pretty good job of encapsulating the the landscape here since Roe fell and our trigger bans went into effect last year. One of the things that came up in it that was uh, really interesting. We're we're in the find out phase 
of this ban and these bans, these overlapping bans, where really, you know, there was a quote from uh, Representative John Vanderwoude, um, and we've heard this before, but it was interesting that he said it to a New York Times reporter, too. Basically, I'm going to summarize, but he was like, we never thought that Roe would actually fall. We put these bans into place, but we didn't think it was going to really go into effect. So now we have to figure out how to, you know, keep people from dying uh, from pregnancy complications and keeping these doctors. He was skeptical of whether or not doctors were leaving, but doctors are leaving. They are leaving. I was hoping you'd bring up his quote because uh, the other part of that quote, which really, you know, he's kind of like, oh, we never really looked that close. Oh, we didn't really, I, we didn't really think about it. But then when asked about like doctors' fears that they would be prosecuted for doing a medically necessary abortion, he like kind of rolled his eyes and yeah. said like, oh, doctors aren't ever getting prosecuted. Come on, show me doctors that have left. Show you doctors that have left. Literally, you're being interviewed by the right. New York Times. <laughs> Read the story in which you were being interviewed. <laughs> about because that was the oh, whole focus. Show yeah. me, show me. Like, yeah, I was like, and and that attitude of being faced, I mean, and we've seen this repeatedly in the last, you know, six months or so. Yeah. Like, even after that Sandpoint Hospital closed, uh, their maternity wing uh, or section or whatever, they... Yeah. Uh, politicians asked about it, like a lot of the Republican politicians were kind of like, well, I don't think that has anything to do with the abortion law. I mean, when doctors are testifying and saying, we are going to leave, you are making it impossible to practice medicine here. I mean, and we had interviewed Michael Devitt, who uh, is a doctor in town, a doctor of physical therapy. And he was telling us, you know, even though he's not in that field, he is married to uh, a GP. And he was talking about how scary that is for doctors because it's it's not just that you could be prosecuted. You could completely lose your license. Something right. that you worked for 15 years of your life to to become proficient at, not even adding the decades after that that you spent becoming a really good doctor. You could lose your license. You could lose your livelihood and like your life's work yeah. um, over these laws. So uh, the fact that they're pretending like, oh, I haven't heard of any doctors leaving when doctors are screaming at them. Uh, very frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, we have this, some people have this vision like, oh, they're, they're, they're the quote unquote abortion doctors that are leaving. It's like, mm-hmm. no, these are doctors who deliver babies. So if you know someone who can get pregnant in Idaho or is pregnant in Idaho, especially in rural parts of the state, it is scary as hell right now. Um, and the feature, yeah, it really hinged on the story of Dr. Uh, Gustafson, who has been uh, on the front lines for a long time, especially, again, in rural rural parts of the state. She works out of McCall, and she uh, has been, you know, a plaintiff in uh, lawsuits around abortion bans for a long time. And even she, she basically has lost all of her colleagues that she would normally reach out to uh, for speciali- people who are specialized in uh, maternal and fetal health. And uh, that feeling of being like really lonely and not knowing what is going to come next, what shoe will drop next. Um, I thought the kicker of the article was really strong where she's long time been saying, you know, I'm going to stay in Idaho. I'm staying. I'm staying. And then asked, do you think about leaving? Every day. Every day. Every day. <laughs> yep. Every single day. Yep. The wild thing, too, about this is that the abortions are still happening. People are just traveling out of state. Right. We were talking about this NPR article, uh, which is is basically saying, like, 
the places that were already doing a lot of these abortions, because Idaho was already, it was very hard to get an abortion here. Uh, Pre-Roe following, following, it was already really difficult. You had to do a waiting period. You have to do multiple ultrasounds. You have to go through all of this, like, you know, quote unquote education, which is really just shaming material, trying to make you feel like you're doing something wrong. You're not. And, uh, but this article was, I just found it really fascinating, like Illinois, like the, so yeah. many people are going to Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, the, the Guttmacher Institute put out their numbers for basically the first six months of 2023 of where people are getting abortions, where the increase has occurred. And surprise, surprise, it's in states, a lot. Every single state surrounding Idaho uh, has seen an increase, including Wyoming and Montana that do have some abortion restrictions on the books, but not as restrictive of, as Idaho, which has a basically a total ban. Um, but definitely Washington saw a big jump, Oregon and Nevada, um, which we can we can guess why that's happening. It's because people in Idaho are still getting abortions. They're just going across state lines. If they can afford to, if they can manage to, obviously it creates so many more barriers and it's a lot more dangerous. Yeah, I have a really good friend who works in reproductive justice, and I was asking her about this the other day, and she said, this is actually a really big issue for uh, potential people who potentially need a, an abortion in those states already, in Oregon, in Washington, because Oregon has seen, specifically, we were talking about a clinic in Bend. She said that uh, because people from Idaho are coming over to Oregon, people in Oregon are having to travel to get their abortions because clinics are so full and so busy. Mm, yeah, so the ripple effects uh, just continue. I mean, of course, people who wanted the abortion to go away are happy to hear that. They're happy to hear that it's harder. That's the whole point. Uh, but to know that if you want to have a baby, if you're, you want to have a child, you want to be able to deliver a baby safely, and your doctors uh, are leaving um, the state and you might have a situation where things all of a sudden your pregnancy become unexpectedly unsafe. It's a terrifying prospect. This is definitely yeah. again, the find out phase. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, a woman on Reddit uh, commented uh, that she, the OB she was going to, went from nine doctors to one while she was pregnant. Oh, wow. Which would, I mean, gives me chills, literally. Wow. I mean, I had problem pregnancies. I had difficult births. And uh, and I've had a miscarriage. Uh and having to go through those without, like, the doctor you chose, the doctor you trust, right. that you're the doctor you feel with. safe with, yeah. knowing knowing that, like, if that talk doctor is sick, you're going to end up with, like, no offense, but an ER doctor who that's not their specialty. Right. Maybe someone on call who's just kind of gotten pulled in right. because they're desperate. Like, that is that is so, so, so scary. Meanwhile, of course, uh, uh, Idaho, the Idaho legislature said, let's get ter let's get rid of the maternal review board. Let's uh, oh, right. let's uh <laughs> just an extra gut punch there. Which, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad again in the New York Times article they mentioned that because that's an important button to all of this. So, you know, it means that it'll be a real challenge to know uh, if and when um, mothers do die, why that's happened. Was there something that could have pre prevented it? Could uh, having reproductive uh, uh, access be something that, that would have perhaps saved that person's life? Um, again, you know, it's really hard to not focus on the quote-unquote pro-life rhetoric and then thinking about the fact that uh, women are in danger and uh, people who can get pregnant are in danger and are potentially uh, going to lose their lives. Um, mm -hmm. Now, of course, the legislature is trying to focus on how to 
prevent that from happening uh, to a degree with their, you know, catch-up laws <laughs> as they've tried to pass in 2023 after Roe fell. But there's just still so many unknowns, and it is it is a scary time. Yeah. Well, um, let's end on something kind of fun here. Not kind of fun, very fun. It's always a little confusing. June was Pride Month. In Boise, we get we get double dips. Uh, yep. And it Pride is happening this weekend. It's going to be so much fun and not as much controversy as last year, too. Quieter year. I'm really happy for that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully everybody has a great time who goes and uh, safe and enjoys themselves. Uh, big Frida is performing, which yeah. is a really, really good, big headlining act. Um, that's Friday night. And then Saturday's the rally. Sunday's the parade. But you're right. It has been uh, thankfully, a quieter year um, uh, compared to last year when we saw uh, local sponsors, including Idaho Central Credit Union and Idaho Power, pull out their sponsorship um, after basically, you know, people were being horrible. Um, yeah, and- basically, yeah. I'm glad that we can just sort of say <laughs> that. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And uh, anyway, to see to see that uh, the festival so far, at least, uh, seems to be going off without a hitch and um, lots of sponsors. Yeah. Well, you mentioning that last year, the controversy and everything that happened, kind of a quieting down on a lot of the uh, really bullshit uh, rhetoric we were hearing last year, the groomer yeah. stuff. Like, maybe that really has like played itself out and we're not gonna have to hear that forever like can we hope that i don't know i really want to hope it i I mean maybe it's like they've gone as far as they can they've milked that as far as they can use that that lie and that misinformation and because yeah i'm i'm uh super super done i think like most most people are super done hearing that the really dangerous thing for children is people who love feathers and costumes yeah, right. and like lip syncing. Oh, right, no. Right. And yeah. reading children's books like, you know, yeah. very appropriately. Yeah. Anyway, I, I agree. I'm I'm really hoping that the um that that rhetoric at least has has calmed down. And again, just grateful for an opportunity for people to to celebrate. I do want to say that, um you know, uh, yesterday's episode uh, was really powerful. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't listened to it, uh, Emma and uh, comedian Sophie Hughes, um, along with Blake, uh, talked about, basically asked the question, a very challenging question of, is Boise actually safe um, to be a queer person? And I think the answer is something that people don't want to hear, but they need to hear it. So I would definitely encourage people to listen to yesterday's episode as well. And then, yeah, go go think about, especially straight allies, um, how we can do better. Yeah, probably, uh, honestly, my favorite episode we ever made. And I thought it was so amazing and so vulnerable and powerful. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. Have fun at Pride this weekend, Boise. Be safe. Uh, You know, keep your eyes out. Last year, there were some guys following people around, stay in groups, stay safe. Yep. You know, eagle eyes. I'm sorry that it is that way, but keep keep an eye out for weirdos down there. But also have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Emma, uh, feel better. I hope everybody I stays healthy. Yeah. I'm stay on the mend. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, stay safe, and we love you. Goodbye. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Frankie Barnhill, Evelyn Avitia, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with editing help from Brian Vance this week. And our music is by local band Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye.